Well spunked. Have you not been hearing me? Oh man, the goon! Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Sorry the neurons aren't firing today. Yes, it is. Exactly. Cleanses the palate with zombies. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Did I just have a stroke? That's a valuable misprint, sir. And now, your hosts, Luke Matthews. And then imagine somebody copying Rob Liefeld. That's just the blind leading the blind. That's terrible. And Bean. I feel like she has like more integrity as a character, and I feel like it would be a little bit cheap if she's like, so therefore I must wear tic-tac-toe boots. Joel Simon. And I, I read I read Blackest Night, which was pretty good, so I read Brightest Day, and it was a whole trade paperback of nothing. <laughs> Wait, well, it was supposed to explain something, right? And Andy Padel. We got a we got the Black Snake. It's actually planning from back four years ago. We're just pulling this out of our ass, so we got to come up with all these different land cores now. We ready to go? No. Yes. Let's. Welcome everybody to episode sixteen of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke, and the regular crew is here with me today. Andy Padel. Professor X is still in a wheelchair. Joel Simon. Heidi Ho. And Ann Bean. Professor X is an asshole? <laughs> what, what is it that Kitty Pride says? I don't remember. It's a jerk? Uh, I don't know. My powers are worthless. Well, she says that too. I'm but. trapped in a bullet. <laughs> uh... We are going to be reviewing Astonishing X-Men, the first, uh, what the equivalent of the first 12 issues of the comic book, which uh, encompasses the first two normal trades or the first half of the omnibus. Um, so, as usual, we will... Jesus Christ, I'm so tired. We'll as usual. what we have been reading recently. <laughs> Huzzah. I'm so fucking tired, guys. Hey, Luke, I'll so take the reins on this one. <laughs> hey, Anne, what have you been reading? Well, last, not the weekend that just happened, but the one before that, I went to San Francisco for Alternative Press Expo, which was super freaking sweet. Key points about Alternative Press Expo. It is uh, run by Comic-Con <laughs> International. And what, what's with the, I'm trying to be really awake. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Um, hey, everybody! Yay! It's it's like Comic Con, but for indie comics and web comics and other shiny things. There were really fun guests, like the Kate, what's her face from Hark Vagrant, <laughs> and Daniel oh, Klaus, yeah, yeah. and Beat. other people that Beat. you have not heard their names before. But they're really if you haven't heard Daniel Klaus' name, that's kind of sad. Uh, both of those books, uh, uh, Hark Vagrant and Raygun. Or something Raygun that Daniel Klaus wrote are both Hark of Agron is Kate Beaton. It's about Kate history. Beaton. And something else that the other one was something that Daniel Klaus wrote. It was, it was something, something, something Raygun. I don't know what it is because I've never seen it. But okay. the point being that they are both on Thwipster right now. Uh, and they will be till the end of the week. So I think this show. Oh, shit. They might not be up by the time the show goes up. They won't up. be up by the time the show airs. All your dreams are dead. Uh, you're all fucks. You're all fucked. So anyway. Continue. Anyway. Um. The lines for them are really long, so I didn't go visit them, but they have really cool stuff, so go look at it. Um, I did, however, talk to a bunch of random webcomics people and um, like 30-something guys that are like the the last generation of true indie comics people 
um, which was really sweet, including um, Ten Fam and Jean Luen Yang out of uh, first. They both write for first second comics, um, and they were really freaking cool and had cool stuff to say. And later on, I'll post reviews about their comic that is about video games, which makes it doubly thematic to geekerific. Um, Indeed. But if you could somehow get yeah. trading card games in there, then it would be like the trifecta. Right. It would be great. Um, in general, Ape was interesting because it, it combined like the people with Xerox to mini comics crowd with the the zine crowd. The Yeah. Like the zine based stuff with the web comics based stuff. I talked to Shannon Garrity who's been in webcomics for 10 years. Um, she, I'm pretty sure I read her comics in high school. She writes, uh, she wrote Narbonic and currently writes Skin Horse. Narbonic is one of the things I, I have been reading. Hey, look, I'm focusing skin, in on... Skin Horse? So, not actually dirty. Um, Narbonic <laughs> is like uh, the mad scientist. It, it's like a Dilbert-esque daily, but for working as a code monkey for a mad scientist. Um, okay. It's pretty fantastic. And is it amazing? Yeah. And possibly amazing. Uh, Skin Horse is... I haven't read it yet. I bought the first, her first collected trade of it. Um, but she says it's the people that have to clean up after all the people in narcotics. So, you know, <laughs> the government agencies that deal with the mad scientists. Um, I also impulse bought a book by out of, from Top Shelf called B.B. Wolf and the Three LPs by J.D. Arnold and Richard... Koslowski and it was fantastic and I reviewed it and I totally sent Luke a review about it so look on geekerific.com for our other web comp- content yay it's totally there um, woohoo content <laughs> yay past that I am going to continue to write up all of my thoughts about Ape and all of the cool notes that I took from all the cool people I talked to in a coherent form continue checking geekerific.com for content what about you, Joel? What have you been reading? What? No, wait. What happened to Anne? She's like a corporate shill now. She, you, you got marketing messages. You, you plug yes. in the website. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I didn't have business cards at Ape, so I couldn't like mean, show our ooh. stuff to any of the hundreds of cool people that I saw. Wow. You mean participating in the website and contributing to the website? Ouch. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's all different if you're marketing nope. yourself. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I, oh, I get it. This is, this is pick on Joel time now. Okay. No, yes, isn't it always? I'm, this is, I'm not a writer. Isn't it? I am a writer. Yard, clack, clack. Yes, you are. Yes, Rugs, fling, flang, brush yard, clip lug. Come on, <laughs> glunk, chin country. <laughs> God, I hate you guys. Uh, what happened? Redheaded Klingon. What? What? <laughs> Get in the drill zone. Crush the man meat. Glunk, chin country. <laughs> Okay, uh, did I just have a stroke, or are you guys actually <laughs> writing? I'm not sure if those were words. Okay, all right. What have I been reading? I um, uh, <laughs> words. I can't remember. What I've been I can't read. Andy, what have you, what have you been reading? You guys are <laughs> you got to gotta edit this out because I got caught off guard here. <laughs> I'm not editing shit out. You better oh, keep God. going. So um, I don't edit this show anymore. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> So I hadn't been to my store in a little bit, and I uh, had a stack of books that was approximately, oh, a foot tall, or maybe a little bit over. It's kind of gross. Um, the two things that Which I'm means gonna... you hadn't been back in like a week and a half? Three weeks. Oh, okay. Um, 
Joel is making weird gestures. Like he's reading. He's like, I can read. Yeah. <laughs> Synapses fired. I re- I remembered now. But go ahead. Okay. Uh, you better write it down. The yeah. two things that oh, I want to talk about um, is a book called Drifters, which is by the guy who did Helsing, and it's all these people from all points in time who are warriors of some sort get pulled out of reality seconds before they die and brought to this fantasy world. And it's to, there's two armies. There's the Drifters and the Ends. And the Ends are the bad guys, and the Drifters are the good guys. Uh, some of the bad guys that were notable included Joan of Arc, who yeah. just wanted to burn everything. <laughs> like like um, you do. But some of the, the good guys that uh, is fighting with the army, there's only one volume so far. Uh, Hannibal, the general from uh, Carthage. Yeah. Um, the elephant guy. The, yeah, the elephant guy. He <laughs> took elephants go. over mountains. <laughs> Seems like a good uh, idea. Billy the Kid. Um, and there was a kamikaze fighter pilot who shows up at the very end as um, the drifters are being attacked by the army of the ends. And the army of the ends has like dragons and all the sort of evil mythical armies with them. And they're attacking this elven city. And this all of a sudden... Basically, the main character is from feudal Japan, uh, Nogo, no, Nogobawa? Nobunaga, Nobunaga, um, that era. Uh, and he's like, "What is that thing in the sky?" And you see this kamikaze pilot come out of one of the portals, <laughs> and they're like, nice. "We don't know whose side he's on." And then it goes to the perspective of the pilot, who's, "Did I just fly into a movie set? What's going? Oh fuck, a dragon!" And he just starts shooting the dragon with the guns <laughs> on the plane. They're like, and the drifters are like, "He's on our side, yes!" <laughs> For the next. Two seconds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, they, he didn't crash yet, yeah. but, you know, that was the end of the book. Um, that reminds me, like, he, it reminds me of, what was the movie? Millennium, yeah. I think, was the movie where they they pull, like, plane crash victims out of the plane seconds before they die because everybody in the future is dying of some bullshit and they need to repopulate the planet. And, <laughs> Interesting. Um, the other book that I just read is Grandpa Won't Wake Up <laughs> by Shannon Wheeler. It took me four minutes to read this book. It's a kid's book. Ish. In theory. <laughs> and it's all about two kids, and they want to wake their grandpa up to go to the park with him. <laughs> and it goes through all the things that they put him through trying to wake him up. And the kid We laid is, him naked on the lawn, but grandpa won't wake up. And then we turned the sprinklers on. But Grandpa won't wake up. Okay, let me see it for a second. <laughs> that was Story the time. Passage. <laughs> Uncle Andy. That's how it starts out. And uh, then it gets to, my brother lit his hair on fire, but Grandpa won't wake up. <laughs> don't read the end. You don't want to spoil it for people, man. And rolled him in a tractor tire. Grandpa won't wake <laughs> up. The pictures are precious. Uh, my personal favorite one is the one where they tried to liberate his two goldfish, <laughs> <laughs> and it just shows the, uh, he's in a tr- the grandpa's in a tree, dressed up in Nazi paraphernalia and stockings, hanging from the tree, and the kids have uh, broken the fish tank, and the two fish are in like a puddle of water with frowns on their faces. <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, it's by Shannon Wheeler, the guy who did Too Much Coffee Man. Uh, okay, it's oh, okay. I've never heard of this guy. Too much coffee, man. It's yeah, from like yeah, fifteen years ago. Oh, he really? does a bunch of stuff for the New Yorker nowadays. In the no, okay. He, d- he writes, "Grandpa won't wake up." Grandpa won't wake up is the rough equivalent of "Go the fuck to sleep." Oh my yeah. god! Are you a, looking at the back list? I'm not sure if those are parody or not, load. but they're great titles. Are they? Are they real? I don't know. Because oh my god, if they are, I want all of them. <laughs> Read some Holy of the titles; shit. they're fantastic. Poor people clothes. The racist eggplant. <laughs> 
cripple fight. Oh my god. <laughs> the drunk family stays home. There's a whole series of drunk family. There's drunk family, the drunk family Christmas, the drunk family goes swimming. <laughs> Fuck I don't yeah. think they're real books. I wish I were black. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just the tip. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I weep for my sins. I really, really, really want these books. I want all of them. <laughs> okay. I, I would recommend you start with Grandpa Won't Wake Up. Yeah, I'm probably going to. It's, and it's rewind the best a little bit. eight dollars you will spend. It's true. Rewind a little bit. So uh, mommy's shoes, daddy's is a book feet. called. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up and go to sleep. I thought that was a joke. <laughs> no, it's a it's a joke kids book. Go to joke. fuck to sleep. Yeah, there's okay. a very strategically placed moon to to censor the word fuck. <laughs> it's um, narrated by uh, Samuel, Samuel Jackson. And there was another parody kids book I saw it, that. <laughs> oh god, sorry. I'm totally sorry. I'm totally no, no, not listening go. because I just read what mommy would have accomplished if not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the book back. Oh god, that's amazing. There's there's one that's a parody of Goodnight Moon. It's called Fuck Off Son, and it has the <laughs> it has the like teenage slash adult rabbit like in underwear sprawled on his bed, and it has all you know. It's it's a one to one parody of Goodnight Moon, so it's it's really funny. So instead of the, the fuck, they have a son. Oh, uh, for go the fuck to sleep, yes. But um, so okay. Back on the subject for a second. Grandpa won't wake up. Shannon Wheeler, go buy it. Eight bucks. Impress your friends. Pick up chicks. All you need is this book. It's true. <laughs> Put it by your toilet. No, no. Probably display it with your, you know, All other right. stuff. Okay, on oh, your coffee man. table. And instead of a, it's Just written <laughs> with the font like a golden, yeah, golden oh, yeah. book. No, oh, yeah. It's, it's, the it's, boom it's book. designed The presentation like a is amazing. Book. Oh, I got I, I would buy an entire shelf of <laughs> golden books and put that in the middle on a shelf. <laughs> Subtly. Uh, on a shelf and have like kids' toys like around that shelf and like a box of Legos below it and just have people come in and, hey, look at that one. There's the pokey little puppy. There's Grandpa. I won't wake up. <laughs> what is the wrong with it? Jazz isn't music? What? <laughs> <laughs> Mommy's MMORPG. <laughs> oh my god! It, it's uh, along the same lines, presentation-wise, as um, the tooth. Mm-hmm. But it's it. This one nails it even more, which is very hard to do. Uh, Joel, what you been reading? Wait a second. That's amazing. I just I just forgot again. No, you no, didn't. No, no, no. Nope. I no. I I know. I was reading Eden. Oh, right. Yeah. It's a manga. 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 Okay. Yeah, I, I say Japanime. <laughs> <laughs> and um, who's the drawer? <laughs> who's the drawer is Hideki Endo, right? Who, is that the same as the writerist? <laughs> no, no. He's, he's, that's that's a letterist, isn't it? The uh, letter, letterer, the writist, and the same that the inker is a tracer. He's a printer. Um. Yeah. Okay. And so anyway, anyway. so um, Eden. So it's a it's a manga, and I. I haven't read manga in a while. I really like anime because it's or or manga because manga's it's a, written down version. Animes, cartoons. Oh Jesus! Really, Andy? This is your job. Think what? about think about it this way. Yeah. Anime. I know. Animation. Yes. Manga. Magazine. Got it. Ding. No, I got it. Dumbass. Oh. Hey. So let's let's talk about Eden for a little bit, Joel. Yeah. So the reason why I like manga because after reading all the Cape and Cal and and all the serious comics or whatever, where there's a lot of punching, uh, not a lot of um, philosophical dissertations. Uh, now, <laughs> when you're reading when you're reading manga, they they explore these kind of things. So Eden is a story about two kids. It starts off with two kids that are the last 
kids on Earth, apparently. Kind of Adam and Eve, because there's a, there's a, not a Holocaust, but a, a disease, apocalypse, or a disease that affects the collagen in your skin that turns it all con- like concrete. And you eventually, once your skin turns to concrete, your bodily fluids leak out and everybody dies. So everybody kind of turns to statues. Yes. And these are the only kids that survive. So, and they're, th- and it, it really goes into so you like think. The, well, yes, that's how it started out was they were talking about the Garden of Eden and it, is God real and stuff like really heavy stuff that really isn't covered in X-Men or Punisher, that kind of stuff. You just blow does Punisher sense. cover. God is God real or not? Oh, I was going to say X-Men. Uh, yeah, it, it's got its moments. It like does, some of the Ellis it does stuff. Have its moments. Yeah. And then Wolverine goes. Wait a minute. Like, Warren Ellis wrote something that questions the nature of religion. No. No, and he conveniently tied it into pop culture. I saw a T-shirt at Ape that said Warren Ellis made me do it. So, and and the how it was written was really interesting because it would go into the present and then it would go into the past of all the stuff that happened to get these two kids to be so lonely and the only people on Earth, and then eventually that story ends and um, they go into the future twenty years and I guess the 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 kid and the girl get married and now they have kids and this follows his kid. Am I confusing everybody? No. no. I just confused I stopped myself. paying attention to you a long time ago. God so damn it. It makes sense. <laughs> Continue. Um, but eventually what it is is they, there's this government agency that had taken over the world after this, this Holocaust or this apocalypse. Sorry. It's, it's apocalypse, right? Holocaust is by fire. Anyway. Um, and contagion. They're trying... Contagion. Thank there you. you. Um like the movie. Semantics. And <laughs> the world is destroyed by fucking semantics. That's right. Potato, potato. <laughs> Jesus. And so this big government agency and this mercenary group is trying to get away from the government agency. And it's a crack team of, I guess, kind of Ronin where they're mercenaries. And they take on this kid that they run across in. Um, and it's post-apocalyptic. Dystopian. It's, it's definitely dystopian. Yeah. We're using all kinds of big words here. And it's it's this crack crew. Each one has a different different they take on a different role and it's it's right down my alley. And it's all this kind of stuff that I when you go into like Western comics, you, you it, they kinda get into the, the same old tropes and Japanese manga, a lot of it is is milkmaid stuff, but then there's also some good stuff too. And, uh, Blade of the Immortal. Yeah, yes. See, I haven't read that. It, that's Rurouni Kenshin. It's really no, pretty. No, no, no. no, no it's, it's not, not Rurouni Kenshin. Avoid Rurouni Kenshin I, like really? the play. I like okay. Rurouni Kenshin, damn it. It's so dumb. It's it's about samurais, no, right? No, it's not. It's no. kitty. It's loosely about samurais. It's it's stupid. It's, it's shoujo. Yeah. It's cute. I think the one thing I miss... When when I don't read manga, or I love when I read manga, is people get eviscerated, and they really mm-hmm. are oh, eviscerated. Yeah. There's black ink everywhere. Oh man, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. And bowels, or yeah, bowels hanging out and and heads lopped off. And they just Have you read battle don't... royale manga. No, you should. Okay, pretty you... much every culture but ours has allows for like hyper violence and like not so well disguised racism. <laughs> battle royale. So, <laughs> Hyper sexual violence. <laughs> a girl rapes a guy while he's dying. <laughs> Ding. I have you have you That's ever seen the have you ever seen the unedited version of Ninja Scroll? Like 
that is some dirty shit. No, I clearly. But yeah. what I mean is that no, like Ninja Scroll is one of the tamer anime out there, but but people, it's also one of the more famous ones. And if you watch the unedited version, which is you know the unrated U.S. version, like. So one of the one of the bad guys like rapes one of the one of the chicks in the middle of the and thing she's and like poisoned. And because she's poison poisoned yeah. and breaks his stone skin yeah, yeah like all kinds of it's I I'm, I'm like it's yeah. awesome I love ninja this Soul, this is I, this oh, is all right it's no legend of the overfiend I'm just saying right. that guy's only wow. got one cock right <laughs> yeah I've seen I've seen There's, all three no versions inter- of legend of the overfiend there are no so internal shots with that. three like demon yeah. cocks like rotating <laughs> in and out. It's like why would why would you have a camera shot in there is my question. I mean like the girl exploding as he bites off her torso is enough. You didn't need to send the camera directly inside the girl for a little. This is what it feels like to, you know, get some deep de- demon dicking. Uh, and because note, Japan. Luke, what uh, you been reading? Uh, not a, not a lot because I've been mostly reading Astonishing X Men, uh, but I did also read um, the Strange Talent of Luther Strode, which is f- fucking good. Like it's really good. I wrote a review of it. I put it up on Geekerific. It's a uh, what's um, a strange talent. So the the comic book is about uh, if anybody any, three demon cocks. <laughs> uh, Anybody who read comics in in the seventies or eighties remembers that they always had crazy advertisements for goofy shit. You know, in addition to superheroes shilling fruit snacks and uh, <laughs> yeah. like milk advertisements, they they also had like the the page of goofy joke gifts that you could order, and they also they almost always had. The like bodybuilding method, you know. Yeah. Are you a are you a tired of getting sand kicked sand in your face? Kicked in your face. You can be a big burly nasty asshole and beat the shit out of your bullies. Um, tired of being <laughs> sodomized by jocks? <laughs> Try steroids. Yeah. So th- this book is kind of like it. It starts off a little kick ass ish, only well written instead of <laughs> shit. Um, the what I'll get back to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, the but the the point is that skinny Luther Strode is this skinny like kind of nerdy nerdy high school kid who orders what's a book called the Hercules Method and he starts using it and um like hilarity ensues. It's really well written. Like the first issue, I was very surprised by it. Really well written. Uh, the artist falls. Solid dead square between Ryan Otley and uh, Rob Guillory. So like Ryan, you know, wow. like right between Ryan Otley's so between like Invincible and Chew. It, yeah, exactly. Nice. Like right, it's like Invincible style violence, you know, the hyper violence, and then kind of the crazy proportions of like the, of Rob Guillory's Chew. But like <laughs> you know, it's it's really it's it's really good. The art's really good. The coloring, I was. Very. This is one of the first comic books I've picked up in a long time where I really noticed the coloring in a positive way, right? Where I was like, "Oh, the colors in this are really good." And because I've noticed, that I've read some books recently where the colors were just fucking terrible. And I'm trying to remember the one that I reviewed for for IGN that didn't get published. But the um, oh, Superior. The fucking coloring in Superior is terrible. I haven't read it yet. Please don't spoil. You haven't it read me. any of it? No, I've read the first. Three. Okay, the one I'm just, just came out. Last I'm just week. talking about the. I'm just talking about the colors. Okay, I have nothing else. The, and the colors are consistent. The colors in that Yoon, book, right? Who's the artist? Uh, Lionel Yu. Lionel, Lionel Yu. Uh, the the art is great, but the coloring in that book is so overdone and just 
it ruins some of the artwork in that book. Coloring in this one is really good. Um, I was really impressed. And it was, oddly enough, it was noticeably good instead of like most books where the coloring is just, it's it's there and it should be unobtrusive, right? You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't notice it. Um, anyway, um, I'm trying to remember what else that I've, I've read because... Um, is that one of them? What the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to distract your podcast for are, a minute. Are you pointing at bitch, please, and thank you? Actually, no, but I poop from there. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to list off two uh, more things there in this. How many of these little boom books have you read? from me? Yeah. And now you're doing it. <laughs> um, a Child's Guide to Enemies, <laughs> followed by The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, as so. you were saying. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I read some stuff for doing some IGN reviews that never got published for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, I did, I did Superior and I did, um, oh shit, what was the other, I can't remember the other book because it was so bad. Was it Brave Three? No, no. It was, um, I don't remember. I I don't even remember what it was, so I'm not going to even bother talking about it. Okay, so Um, I want to go back to Kick-Ass number two, (laughs) issue number four for a second. I've seen books where it's like, yeah, you know, the artist was just, he was just calling this one in. There is a panel in Kick-Ass 2, number four, that is physically impossible for a car to be shaped the way it is. <laughs> nice. It's a side view of a cop car. Now, this is still John Romita Jr., though, right? Yes. I um, don't understand what's going sad. on. Apathy? Side view of a cop car Probably. with two cops getting out. The only way that this car could exist is if the driver's side door and the passenger side door were on the same hinge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joel, I'll point it out to you Picasso, later. Then. It's I don't I. It's just bad. Yeah. It's, so it's really really bad. So on the subject of of kick ass, I'll actually bring this into a story that I wanted to bring up because. Um, I follow the the. I don't, he's not technically editor in chief, but he's one of the lead editors for IGN Comics. Joey Esposito. We've talked about him before. Um, he wrote an article. He writes a weekly article called Hero Worship on IGN. That's actually pretty cool. Like he he basically takes on a subject. Like a uh, few weeks ago, he was like the top uh, the top here uh, superhero movies of the summer as they relate to drawing people into the comics that they represent, Green right? Lantern like was not on that Green, list. Green Lantern was the bottom of the list. So he listed it because he listed all of the superhero comics and he put Captain America at the top, which amazing because yeah, because I, I found like the new Brubaker Captain America comic. If you watch the movie and then immediately step into what reading the comic, you'll get it. That's awesome. It'll totally make sense. The only thing that doesn't make sense is why Dum Dum Dugan is still alive, but um, we can worry about that later. Like, because in the comic, I mean, he's a normal person and he's in the 40s and then all of a sudden he's the same age in present day. Whatever. Um, but he wrote he wrote a hero worship that was about uh, about comic creators who write their comics for no reason but to become movies. Mark and Mark Millar was at the top of that list. <laughs> yep. And then Mark Millar got wind of this and just tore him a new asshole on the because internet. Because Mark Millar is a dick. Yeah. And just just tore him apart about like, well, why, you know, why would you he he actually said um this article seems like nothing but uh oh, how did he put it? Like a subconscious way to to keep artists down. 
or some I, it was some bullshit. And then in the last line of his, uh, the last line of Miller's Millar's response was, uh, was pull your head out of your ass. Yeah, and I, it's just like what a dick. Well, I'm like, amazed that he actually managed to respond in any sort of normal time frame because last time I checked, like a <laughs> monthly book comes out. Wait, okay, so let's see, Kick Ass number two. Wait, 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 Kick Ass number two. Um, it was, uh, I think, a three-month gap. Superior, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, War Heroes was a book that Mark Millar started. Oh, he hasn't finished that yet. It's been <laughs> years. His timing is so bad for writing that in uh, previews, it's actually listed as Kick-Ass coming out every six weeks. I read that, and the guy at my comic book store, I'm like, Kick-Ass coming out every six weeks. We both look at each other like, yeah, when hell freezes over. Yeah, uh, he actually addressed that issue for a brief moment and, and blamed it on his uh his extracurricular like movies yeah shit like writing <laughs> writing movie writing stuff for movies and like yeah. pitching his his scripts for movies and i mean it was just it was amazing to see a creator take such ridiculous offense at something and then proceed to actually tell somebody to pull their head out of their ass because it was it was a li- the the it article was it legitimate hit a and, little too <clears throat> close to home yeah exactly yeah. um and <clears throat> and I realized something in the last week, and I want to bring this up with you guys and see what you think. Because, and I, I tweeted it, but I never got any responses. Like, it is my firm opinion that Mark Millar is this generation's Frank Miller, where oh, he he's gotten conver- oh. he's gotten lucky a couple of times with some re- some stuff that's become either popular or was really good. Like, I, I will bring up uh, Red Sun was really good, and people really liked it, yeah. and it was actually well done. And he's gotten lucky a few times, but as time goes on, people start to realize that he's a fucking hack and that some of his shit is just garbage, you know, but there's still people that defend him to the death. And and I find that same thing about Mark or Frank, Frank Miller, Miller, where like 300, he got lucky. Some of the early Daredevil stuff he got, it was, was pretty good. Um, every once in a while, like uh, Batman... Um, Dark Knight, like Dark, Dark Knight Dark Knight Returns. The first Dark Knight Returns. Because <laughs> Dark Knight Returns 2 was a piece of shit. Dark Knight was, Returned again? Yes. Yeah. It was terrible. Okay, so wait. A friend, a friend <laughs> was telling me about this. That, no, so, but like Frank Miller, I mean, I'm sorry, but it has been my solid opinion that that guy hasn't done anything good for years no i i think like i still uh, think he's yeah. a very very yeah. silly man and, no, and he, yes let's talk yeah. about holy terror yeah, for a minute. yeah. and that, that's, much, that's what i was about to bring up holy yeah. terror is my the guy that runs my comic shop said outright it was the worst comic that's come out this year Ooh. and it's blatantly racist it's fucking the art isn't isn't even up to frank miller's standards um it's just it, it's paced poorly. It's just fucking terrible. Um, and I've seen this way back in Miller's career because he Miller did one of the... Um, there was a two-part Batman-Spawn crossover. One And on the, the Spawn-Batman side, the DC side, was actually a pretty good book. Yeah. And it was really well done. The image side was written uh, by Frank Miller and it was fucking terrible. Terrible! I shit you not. It was Batman and Spawn taking care of two gangs called the Blues and the Pinks. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it was fucking stupid. It's a metaphor. <laughs> it's all deep and shit. Um, so, and that was in like ninety four, ninety three, something like it was fucking terrible. Um, he he, and let us not forget 
Frank Miller wrote RoboCop 3. <laughs> okay? The guy's a hack that got lucky a few times. Didn't he, he didn't write RoboCop, though. No, RoboCop 1 was, was... I don't remember who the scriptwriter was. I know it was directed by Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven. No. Yeah, no, but that's director. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, and that's, I think that that's where Frank Miller, or Mark Millar, is headed. Like, he's gotten lucky a few times, but most of his shit... Like... I'm the not a fan of ego will show itself. I'm not yeah, a fan of superior. He, I'm not a fan of fucking uh, Kickass. I it's just like I liked Kickass so much. Oh, it's so bad. But we've already talked about that. Yeah. Let's not bother getting so, into that. So wait, superior right is Malar? Yes. And and what's the premise on this? Uh, a monkey in an astronaut suit comes to Earth the and gives devil. a little and gives a, a little crippled kid turns him into a superhero. That is a dead spanking cross between Superman and Shazam. You caught the Shazam thing. Yes. Too, which is oh, like, absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just saying. You know, it's like I saw him like is that Superman or Shazam? <laughs> but okay, so I want to go back to something. Super real Shazam. Like, the whole Mark Millar going into uh, Frank Miller. So we were talking about Mark Millar which, at my store, which led into Frank Miller, and we decided that the greatest comic book that could come out this year is a collaboration with Alan Moore writing the story and oh, Frank Miller Jesus. doing the artwork. It would not be carried by Diamond. <laughs> it would be completely batshit insane. Yep. <laughs> Having read Neonomicon and looked, I, I looked at the cover of Holy Terror, and that's as far as I could make it in. I remember Dark Knight Returns too, kind of. And I was I just, drunk at the time. It's I, I don't even think there is human words to describe how terrible this book would be. Because Either it would be like an autistic child's, like you know, throwing shit at the wall, or it would answer the meaning of God. It would go so far down into the terrible level that it would be good. And Alan Moore is one of those guys who, at one point in his career actually had talent oh, yeah. like he was he, he was really stuff. good and he wrote some really good shit and then proceeded to fucking just lose his goddamn mind like completely batshit insane and now he he's just like, like? yes i Look know serial uh-huh. killer yeah right? <laughs> um, so so uh, just one more thing on he the keeps subject. a stable of artists in his beard <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> along with the bodies yeah, yeah one part Alastair Crowley so, one part Charles Manson if you, <laughs> like you see like okay so you see Alan Moore and you're thinking that this guy has to be like just completely insane like he sounds like the lead singer of the Dead Kennedys or something <laughs> and then when you hear him talk he is the most mundane boring human being on the face of the planet that's kind of comforting yeah. actually no it's like like it's so like you like he's luring people into complacency mm. so he can kill them yeah. with a hatchet. Right, that, okay, that's fine. that's serial killer, man. That's Gary yeah. fucking Ridgeway. There you go. Oh. It all comes full circle. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it does. Dear world who loves the Green River Killer, I do not understand you. Please explain yourself to me. Yeah, seriously. <clears throat> no, about Millar, I think I've I've read some of his stuff when he has an editor around him. You know, like when he does stuff for Marvel, it's actually pretty good. And it, when when they keep him within the, it, don't do that smirking. No, I, no I, I totally I, agree. I, with I've you said actually. this before. I agree. When he's when he's confined by someone else's yeah, rules, by somebody else's rules, he's fine. But as soon as he goes off on his own and it's own, his own IP, he just goes crazy and he doesn't know what to do. Which is what I don't like about Superior. It, it just it it's so derivative, yeah. and his hook is so fucking lame. 
Like it, it, I don't know. It just comes across wrong, and I'm yeah. I'm not a big fan. But it's like he has a dartboard that as a, a superhero, and then do the exact opposite of that, and then, <laughs> because he, he already had he already had the Batman, the evil Batman, right? A list of allegorical villains. Yeah, Bink. <laughs> uh, I'll be the dangling participle. <laughs> no. Which is kind of surprising because with Red Sun he had already done Superman, so I think maybe he's going to he's actually maybe come I full can circle. Do other. Well, he, okay, it's Shazam now, uh, but aren't it's they either much or the same thing. No, well, the the reason why Superior fits in the Shazam mold is because of the fact that he's a little kid in a superhero's body, basically, yeah. and that's the whole bit with Shazam, right? He's a little kid and he does a thing and he train he says Shazam and he turns into a superhero, and um. I don't know, but he just doesn't do it right. It just. What's funny though is that Lionel Yu, like I love Lionel Yu's artwork, it's really um, good. and it's really good. Even in that book, it's really good. It's ruined by the colors. I'll mind. I'll say it. But I don't um, like the covers. Yeah, the covers are kind of lame. And 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 oh, ah. my rage he, is building. The most recent issue. I'm not gonna. Don't worry. I'm not gonna spoil Luke anything smash. because I'm just gonna talk about the cover. Okay. The cover is is superior flying in front of a fleet of like bombers, and it says. By the book, the terrorists fear. Like no, no, he does that with all his covers, roll though. My eyes. Like and, I actually liked the Nemesis one for Nemesis number one, where it was like, "Crime is awesome, and so am I." <laughs> I haven't like read Nemesis, them, so it's, I don't. <laughs> most of Millar's stuff is actually it started out like the first two issues. Really interesting idea. Yeah, and same then, with Superior. Then it fell to shit. Uh-huh. Falls yeah. apart. I, mm. Yep, I still wish that DC would have let him do that tagline. Kickass was fine until the main character talked, <laughs> and it just fucking fell apart. Just like we, we, so we, many. We, we, of we, my okay, we've I gone. Know, over I know, this. I know, I know. Okay. We've uh, uh, talked about this ad nauseum. So um, the one thing that I want to go sort of into the whole Superman thing and things being like Superman. Did we talk about the whole uh, Wildstorm universe and DC merging together? So you have... Not much, but yeah. We, Apollo and Superman, Midnighter and Batman <laughs> together right. in the same universe. All the Stormwatch guys like coming into the universe and being like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> well, specifically, I'm just trying to figure out if you've got Apollo and Midnighter, who, you know, they kind of are gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, then you've got Superman and Batman who are kind of gay. <laughs> the The opposite of gay. Uh, Love hate relationship. Uh, I don't know about Batman. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I, I don't understand how it works. Having yeah, how are you they going to reconcile that? You know, like are they going to have a battle? Yes. Oh, today's national Who's coming out day, by the way. Two will oh, enter, one will leave. Oh yeah, that's true. Ten <laughs> <laughs> eleven. Woo! Yeah, yeah, national coming out day. Ten eleven. And does it? Uh, does I was like I was Meister blown out for you guys a little, a little bit, bit. Yeah. Okay. I was trying. Uh, I was trying to find. Uh, there, there is. I'll say there is no tasteful way to do this. I was really trying to find a way to to merge the national coming out day with an occupy my anus joke, but I couldn't fucking figure out how to do it. So, <sighs> I like based people. That's all I have to say. I'm only thinking about penises. You just here. have to ask. I'm the just right saying. Person. I mean, you know, yesterday was the whole Columbus thing. So you take something over and then you leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you walk into someone's house, cough all over their shit, and go, uh, "Mine now." Yeah, I've been here for a little bit, and uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I think I'll just leave. Can you make me a sandwich? Thanks. 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 
So for the last week and a half, we have been uh, we've been reading Astonishing X Men, the first twelve issues slash two trades slash one trade slash half a trade slash um, awesome <laughs> slash awesome. Uh, it is written by Joss Whedon and illustrated by uh, John John. Is it John, John Cassidy? John Cassidy. John Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a it was the pickup after um, the uh, slaughter of all the mutants on Genosha. That storyline, and um, you know, Professor X kind of leaving and and leaving everybody behind again. Uh, and there there are some threads in this book. Excuse me that that carried way forward and played into Schism. Uh, but then again, there have been threads since the '60s that have played into schism. So, Jean Grey. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so you can actually, at this point, Jean Grey is dead in the comic book. What uh, I just want to say, you can break down, you can figure out what any time frame of the X Men that someone is reading by asking them three questions about the two main telepaths. You can ask them: Is Professor X with the X Men, or yes or no? Is he walking? <laughs> And is he on good terms with Scott Summers? Okay, so that narrows it down by half. Then, is which gray alive? Which which gray or Summers is the redheaded telepath that's with the team? Because it could be either Rachel, Jean, or Hope, or Hope. Yeah, and you've just nailed down every single. You could probably nail it down to within an issue or two. Wow, it's it's pretty true. I I was talking with this about about these. This kind of cyclical um, storyline with my friend because that's the same thing with Hulk. Because Hulk starts off as stupid as a ton of bricks, and he slowly gets smarter and smarter. Hulk and have feelings. Then he can complete a sentence. He finds a girlfriend. That girlfriend dies. He gets super pissed, and then he goes stupid again. It happens like over and over <laughs> and over. Have you read the end? You remember Gray Hulk? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, that was one. He he became Mr. Fixit. Yes. <laughs> and Skrulk too. Why? What's the end? Uh, the end is um, a story from the eighties. Uh, it has to do with the Hulk going into the future, where he meets his future self, who is the Overlord of Mankind, yeah. and it sort of follows what happens okay. to the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Maestro, the Maestro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you find out that the Hulk never dies because what happens is, as he's you know constantly killed, it just makes him angry, and since he gets angry, he sort of regenerates, yeah. and you know. So anyway. Well, astonishing X Men. Okay, yeah, I, I was just <laughs> saying, you know, with the X Men, it's the same kind of storyline where they they always have a red telepath. Uh-huh. There's a, except this time they have a a, a blonde haired one. They tried to change it up a little bit. Didn't, yeah, didn't it work doesn't, out. Yeah, it doesn't exactly work the same. Uh, you know, I actually I actually like the way it worked out because of the fact that Joss Whedon, as he is wont to do, calls calls it out for being dumb mm-hmm. and then ends it. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's just like that is that's. He's, nice try, guys. Yeah, he's he's. he's I like the cuckoos. <clears throat> the what? Yeah. The cuckoos. The three girls. Oh yeah, the yeah, triplets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of. So, this is one of probably, in my opinion, and I, I may maybe I shouldn't start out this way, but I'll say it anyway. This is easily one of my top five favorite comic storylines, and. Easily my favorite X Men storyline, um, and that's yes, easily my favorite X Men storyline. On top of yeah. Dark Phoenix and then you know all of those others, this to me is the one. Joss Whedon did what he does best and boils down the characters in such a an elegant way hmm. that this is also something that I would suggest as an introduction to X Men for yeah. anybody because it. 
takes like two issues to kind of get the swing of this storyline if you're not familiar with things like the destruction of Genosha mm. and the death of Jean Grey and all that stuff. But it doesn't really take that long to understand what happened. Um, and then you get you get a no, really good introduction to the character to each individual character, and yeah. it's it's he has this am- amazing ability, and and I'm you know I'm fellating Joss Whedon a little bit here, but his there there are things deserved there are things that he does not do well, and action sequences is one of them, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll and that's usually in his TV shows, which is why I'm hoping. Uh, like I'm hoping that they pulled an action director to assist him for v- Avengers, because um, like you Firefly, don't think his action sequences in his shows are good. Not mm-hmm. on par with the Avengers. Not really. Not. I, I think they're. I really? think they're. I think they're okay for TV, but I think I don't think that they are. Um, I think that they're kind of in some some of them, especially in Buffy and Angel. They're kind of half-assed. He gets better in Firefly. Um, Dollhouse was kind of meh, and Serenity I thought was I didn't think the action sequences in Serenity were worthy of a motion picture, with the Mm. exception of Wash flying through a fleet of Reavers. That that part was cool, but the rest of it was kind of like what is good then? (laughs) Yeah, I I kind of enjoyed it. Really? Okay, so so the reason so this may be me like maybe action isn't my primary genre in the same way that it is for you, but what what is an example of something that is awesome for the big screen? Are we talking like? Let me think if I can. JJ Abrams Star Trek opening scene. JJ Abrams does good action sequences. He proved it in Star Trek. He proved it in Mission Impossible Three. Mission Impossible Three was really good. it's in my opinion, it's the best of the Mission Impossible movies. Um, Lens flare. Sorry, yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's those true. are some really good. Well, sure, it mon- the, I, I'm, I mean, the, the Wachowski well, brothers, but that's like not, they yeah. they do good action sequences. Um, in fact, I'll bring up the Wachowski brothers because their movies, like the the first Matrix, is good, great, whatever. Second Matrix and third Matrix, they have their problems. They're fucking. Some parts of them are terrible. However, the the um, the dock siege, in my opinion, and I don't don't know if I've said this on the show before, but it's not this one in anyone. my opinion is probably one of the best sci-fi battle sequences ever put on film. Like there are the the shit surrounding it is stupid, and there's all kinds of holes that you can poke in, you know, the the movie as a whole. But that sequence is so riveting to me. Hmm. Um, I, I couldn't understand what the hell was going on. I, really? I, I was yeah, I watched, there. I watched it again, and yes, there's a whole big swarm of those big octopus from uh-huh. Matrix coming in, but like, uh, there's, a, there's a scene with the drill and um, uh, Nona Gay, or, yeah, Marvin Gaye's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where she's doing the, the rocket launcher. You have no idea what they're doing or where they are, and all of a sudden they're just like shooting stuff. It's like, what, this doesn't exactly mix with everything. I it's think it sacrificed never... clarity for the purpose of intensity. Like, the intensity was yeah. awesome yeah. in that scene, oh, yeah. but the clarity was not there. You, it, well, yeah, that's true. It's kind of the fog of war. I'm trying but... to think of what what I consider like a, a, an excellent action sequence, because there's like... Untouchables? Or, uh, 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 I'm sorry, um, Expendables. Uh, the Expendables had some some cool stuff like the, the, the there was... car chase that went into the fight between Dolph yeah. Lundgren and yeah 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 um, 
I thought that some of the action sequences in The Losers was really were really well handled. God, I love that book. Uh, and I love the movie. Like, I thought the movie was really well done. Um, For comics, what would you say are your top action sequences? Um, oh, Jesus. Or an example of one, maybe. That's what I'm trying to... I'm trying to... I, I, I have I have bad recall ability for things yeah, like this. Yeah, I know. This. That's a huge like question, on the spot, too. Like, Daredevil so. killing Bullseye at the beginning of Shadowland, which is the <laughs> only good part of it. I mean, it's like yeah. five pages, but you're like, it's ramping up to be like a really good uh, like fight. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, Daredevil breaks, I think, uh, Bullseye's kneecap. And Bullseye's like, what? You can't do this. And he just stabs him in the heart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he is like, Over. So, so the reason, one of the reasons why I was bringing up the fact that I think that Joss Whedon is weak on his action sequences is because I'm impressed in this book with his pairing with John Cassidy because I think... Cassidy had some influence on his in, his action sequences in here okay. and was able to take the kernels of what's good in Joss Whedon's ideas and turn them into things that were exciting. So I think the action sequences in this book are really good and I okay. think that they're really well I think they're really well handled which the reason I was bringing it up is because I think that that is normally a weakness for Whedon. Hmm. But in this it's not, which is a long ass conversational way for me to come around to saying that not only is this probably one of my all time favorite X Men stories, it's one of my favorite Whedon stories. Mm. Like I, I especially was impressed with the dialogue and the way that um, Whedon has a Whedon has a, a knack for injecting banter. comedic mm-hmm. banter into intense Tense situations. Yeah. It's true, and I feel like for and, this, he really caught the X Men flavor of it. Yes, and he caught the X Men flavor and and Cassidy's art in some of those moments where he's, uh, you know, those comedic, those little comedic mm-hmm. bits, it's so perfect, so on point. I will uh, I will slightly disagree with the whole he caught the X Men flavor. I will say that he took the the ideas and then made it his own. Because there are certain fair. things that I don't char- have the perspective. Yeah, to I was say. Um, I mean, there are certain things that characters do and say in this book that is a little bit out of par. Hmm. However, within the the story arc itself, it works great. It's just it is awesome. Um, to go back to really good action scenes, I think the epitome of specifically X Men action scenes is in Genosha. Um, in Extinction Agenda, where there is hmm. a four issue part of it's like a sixteen part crossover Extinction Agenda. Five of the last seven books are just them fighting a guy named Cameron Hodge and running away because he is kicking everyone's ass. (laughs) I just remembered one of my favorite action sequences in comic books was the fight between Invincible and Conquest in Invincible, which is the reason why I bought (laughs) the fucking artwork from it. Maybe that's the reason you you bought the giant (laughs) two-page spread. I don't know. You're like, yeah, this is, you know, it's okay. I guess I'll buy this original print for... (laughs) Probably more than any makes a amounts year. of money. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's that's. I think Invincible has really good fucking action sequences, and that's attributable mostly to Ryan Otley and and his style. Like the fight between Invincible and his dad in like the first arc of Invincible was fucking spectacular. Um, so there are action sequences that I really like in The Walking Dead. Um, so, mm. so there's. I think more is in action sequences. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's fair. Very slow action sequences. That's yeah. fair. Staring um, sequences. What are some other good action sequences? Like, okay, so 
so just just my two cents. This is what I like about action sequences because everybody knows, okay, like Superman's super powerful. Um, Batman's got a lot of gadgets, and Wolverine's got his his claws. The things got that I team. yeah yeah the thing that I love about comic book action scenes is when they start using either the environment or outwitting other other people in order to. Um, defeat their enemies, right? So there's there's one uh, there's one scene in Matt Fraction's Iron Man where he's getting beat up by Namor, and how does he take him out? <clears throat> he he ruptures a sewer line and puts all this polluted water over all over Namor, which weakens him. That's how. He, and there's a lot of that in this this book. I mean, never in the history of the X Men has Kitty Pride's ability been used better than in this sequence of comic exactly. books. I, you said she exactly. had a useless ability, but I was like, no, actually, that's felt relevant. He said that she has a useless. Okay. I would disagree, and that's because a lot of people aren't they aren't smart enough to figure out how this person would fit into this group. Mm-hmm. And when when I first read this book. I was okay. Why would you get this this amalgamation of of mutants that have never really been together and put them into a group and then feature them? Because Shadowcat's always been kind of a an also ran. I mean, of course, of course, there's Wolverine and Colossus, but White Queen. What does she do? She's a psychic, but she she doesn't She's made have a diamond. They, they, and they but they only gave her, her that ability because her psychic abilities got boring. Exactly because she doesn't have she doesn't have like the psychic knife of. Betsy Braddock, Psylocke, or she doesn't have the well, flame, please, sir. Yeah, or she doesn't have the the Wait, phoenix. Oh, okay. Or she doesn't have the 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 phoenix fire. You know, so yeah. there's no, these overt powers that comic book writers just rely on, and that's what I mean. She can phase through anything. Shadowcat. There's a lot of powerful things you can do. You always think about. She can take out of, Sentinels. She was the last surviving mutant. She came back in time from Days of the Future Past because yeah. she, you know, was the one person who couldn't be hurt. Yeah, she, mm-hmm. so she saves the world. Yeah. but that's getting a little ahead of it. And then there's also um, Beast, who his whole big thing is that he can leap around and he's super smart you and know, super strong. Well, yeah, but they don't really get into that you know that beast is super strong yeah they don't he talk about really his strength uses... too much no, like I mean, he's they not do like, occasionally but like he's as strong as colossus and colossus can lift a car they 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 focus more on his agility than and his, his strength his intellect. and his intellect and his intellect um, because he's he's the guy that creates stuff for everybody else and then wolverine is the the fury well, i'm trying to remember why he became the furry beast because like it was he gave himself a serum yeah it to was fix, was it to turn his mutant gene off yeah it was but in his mutant gene it was just in, gave him big hands and feet right yeah what kind of scientist is like hmm well I've no got, it was a side was, effect that he didn't know but no just follow me through this right like he's got big hands and big feet i think he was smart enough to get over that well, sure yeah, exactly i mean that was that was wasn't that part that was all part of of Morrison's new X Men right Morrison and Quitely wasn't that the first place where the the cat like no wasn't it are you sure X Factor number one I believe Beast was blue and furry mm. no, no no blue and furry yes he was so he's always also been smart no 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 oh. um in the old issues of X Factor and all this stuff all this leaving up yes he was blue and furry and he had like the the Wolverine swept hairdo kind of thing going on but he still looked human but he was blue and furry and it was follow me with this one because I remember them he, they talk about it in this book he they t- he talks about how he's he feels like he's regressing right his like his cat like nature feral. is taking more over is becoming more feral yeah. and that's because I th- um, during uh, F- Frank 
Quitely's interpretation of Beast in New X-Men was for him to have the actual cat-like features on his face and the claws on his hands and the three fingers on his hands. Like in this where he's like, I used to have fingers, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm a monster. And so he, this that was addressing that because New X-Men didn't address it. They just reinterpreted Beast and said, well, this is what he looks like now. And Whedon came in and went, wait a minute, people are noticing that he looks fucking different. And like, <laughs> You'd think he'd have some kind of a psychological reaction So he's reaction going to, to have some kind of reaction to it. And so Mr. Whedon's McCoy, like... There's something wrong with you. I, I can't really get my finger... I you did, would think I got you'd, my you know, hair you'd, did. you'd yeah. wake up one day and you'd be like, oh, my two middle fingers have somewhat fused together. And this is more <laughs> than it was last week. Exactly. Maybe I should, I don't know, get a knife. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm taking the serum. And not to, I'm not impugning quite well. I may be impugning quietly a little bit, but I'm not impugning Morrison because New X Men was really, really good. But um, it was just one of those things that they're just like, oh, you know what? We're gonna fucking reimagine shit, but we're not gonna say anything about it. And and Whedon's like, you gotta fucking say something about it. Come on, Um, says the dude who you know. Well, never mind. I was gonna go with the uh, Buffy's sister. Appearing, they they do explain it, but yes, eventually. Um, so anyway, I was I was wondering why he decided to pick these because there's a lot there's a lot more um, more popular X Men than Mm -hmm. than these guys, and he he ran with it. That's why with what we wants to do, yeah. But he he did, of course. Shadowcat's there for you know that's his muse. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna make a book, and it's gonna have Gambit, Wolverine, Bishop. Who are some really aggressive other people? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Let's, let's let's we'll make someone call Wolverine two, and just to get the point oh, across. Oh, Dakin. Da- oh, Dakin. <laughs> there you go. Long shot. Yeah, we'll put him in there. Cables in there. Havoc. Havoc. Um, and we're gonna call it just to get the point across to the viewers. Extreme X Men. And we're gonna. Oh wait, they already did that, and it was <laughs> shit. Oh. Yeah. It was such. It was basically like. So, Uncanny X-Force is a hit squad, and it's led by Wolverine, but it's not like, you know, it's got Archangel and, like, Phantom, Phantom X. Phantom X, yeah. Phantom X is not, like, a really popular character. I think he's a really cool one, but he's not, like, he doesn't have the draw of, like, a Deadpool or anything like that. Absolutely. And they're, you know, they've got guns, and they're killing people. It makes sense for that. Extreme X-Men was, like, everyone's got guns. Jubilee, take this pistol. Yeah. <laughs> Professor well, X, we've made, you a new wild cha- we've made you a new Sorry. wheelchair. It's got rocket launchers. Really? Yeah. Well, and I think that makes for more interesting characters in this book, though, it right? Does. Because you have characters that have have flaws and weaknesses that they can't overcome necessarily, so they just have to learn to adapt to them. Exactly. And it makes them cooler, you know? Like, and, and that's... It gives us stakes and story, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have this sledgehammer of superpowers that you can just, oh, I've got a problem, we'll just throw it into the sun. Mm-hmm. You know, um, where... <laughs> Superman. Yeah, where, where they actually, okay, we... This is a really big problem that we have. How are we going to overcome this? Well, you know, optic blasts. Yeah, optic blasts. Someday I will convince the children that I play with at, you know, tiny children's school that. When we play superpowers, it's not actually fun if your superpower is every superpower ever. So power that, negation. Right? There you go. Right. Speaking yeah. about optic blast, I, I'm going to briefly. Optic blast. Me- I'm going to bri- <laughs> optic blast. I'm going to briefly mention Viper the the, uh, the scene in here when the when the sentinel, the half sentinel, comes out of the woods and starts attacking the mansion, and they go out to fight it, and then uh, Scott goes. 
you know what? Fuck this. And <laughs> takes his visor off and opens his eyes and they just show they show a scene of him and Wolverine and them silhouetted against a field of red, like an entire half page of red and then just devastation and a fucking, you know, half dead sentinel and that line when Wolverine turns, turns to him and goes you know, sometimes I forget why you're the leader of the X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, you know, like, what, three years later, Wolverine yet again is like, uh, you know, Cyclops, you're <laughs> not the really... the leader of the X-Men? You never loved Gene! <laughs> um, <sighs> That's so disappointing. Anyways. So so I, I have a question because I didn't read uh, a lot of the stuff that led up to this. How, wh- what was the situation where... Uh, Genosha got fucked? No, no, no. I read that. I, it was when... Um, Colossus died. Like, how did Colossus die? Legacy virus. Yeah. Was it, okay, okay. It's so, they killed his sister. Lovely little introduction yeah. here. Yeah. He sacrificed himself see, to save mutant kind. Yeah, see, I, have, I didn't read Just that. Just like uh, his sister, who is in New Mutants now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And they eventually come back. Uh, I thought this was one of the... One of the <sighs> simultaneously blunt and elegant returns of a dead character. Like, you know what? His brother it. also died from the legacy virus. I just forgot about that. Yeah. Who was his brother? Uh, he's only in like three issues. Um, he dies, like the legacy virus causes his power, which is to create portals to go out of control. And he Awkward. rips everything that's around him in the, the sewers, a bunch of Morlocks, into an alternate reality. Who eventually, uh, They come back and they are, um, that's where, oh God, Skin hmm. and Marrow and Husk and oh, all of Marrow. those guys. I remember Marrow. Mm. That's where they came from. Yeah. You mean they didn't just have a blue one and an orange one and they fell forever? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, blunt Nicholas in so much Ray. as I can't remember. Yeah. Sorry, uh, blunt in so much as the reasoning behind it was, oh, these guys just revived him, you know, and elegant in the portrayal of the character and the way he returns. Yeah. And no like, one believes it first. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I really like that. And the reaction of Shadowcat to finding him, and she's just standing there, and the and she's phased out while people are shooting at him, and he runs through her to go take care of the bad guys. Like, oh, that was so good. Like, oh, yeah. there reminds me of another great Colossus Shadowcat moment in uh, Age of Apocalypse when they're fighting together and she tries to stop him from charging into someone and she unfazes because she knows like her love is going to, you know, stop Colossus from hurting her (laughs) and he just crushes her. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. And then goes berserk. Well, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Other great shadow cat Colossus moments. Are they in this book? Then let's talk about this. No, wait, 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 wait. There's something. (laughs) Wait, no, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. But they they are the they are the one, they're they're the couple, right? Because Shadowcat's always been the one available girl around there that nobody's ever hooked up with. Rogue. Well, no, it's awkward to hook up with her. <laughs> no, everybody hooks up with Rogue, though. <laughs> did you did you ever see? I don't know if you guys saw this, but Cracked did a an article about the the Marvel swimsuit editions and how stupid they are, and and one of them they they were showing like Rogue in a bikini, and she they're, they're like most lethal bikini <laughs> ever. <laughs> right? no. They're like with no not a care in the world to the fact that she could kill everybody around her. <laughs> <laughs> Who's up for a game of volleyball yeah. and death? Yeah, <laughs> um, high stakes. Like I want to see like um oh god I should commission that piece. Okay, like Rogue in the, b- the bikini on a volleyball court with everyone just passed out around her. <laughs> so I have to ask Ord, who's, who's the bad guy yes. in this. 
Doesn't he look like a Dr. Seuss character? He looks like a who, doesn't he? Yeah. A little, a little bit. bit, yeah. Okay. So so that's one Especially of the Especially with that... the little eye whiskers that they have coming off. Um, yeah, totally. I, I mean, they look like who's until they burn Skeksis. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to say, what is it with... The, the creators that come from like TV or movies like Kevin Smith and Joss Whedon who come in and decide to make dumb villains badass. Like, okay. like cause, cause Ord kind of stupid and the, especially the port, like the, that scene. And it's so fucking awesome where he shows up at the mansion while everybody's gone. And the two kids are like, oh, yeah. are like, okay, and, and he's, he's like, what do you mean? They're not here. And the kids are like, do you want to like leave a message or something? Oh God, that was a stupid thing to say. And the guy's like, Oh God. Um, and then fucking Kevin Smith with Mysterio in okay. daredevil. And wait, you wait, know, wait. just, we're not going to talk about Kevin Smith's comics because all of them suck with the exception of Green Arrow. That's not true. Like the Daredevil, his, like run the on, his original eight-issue run on Daredevil with Casada, I really like that run. <clears throat> like, I haven't read much of his other stuff. That he, I haven't read much of the stuff that he's finished is what I'll say because I, I really liked, he did a, he was doing the Daredevil and Bullseye, but he wrote one issue and then it vanished into the ether, right? And that first issue was really good and could have led into something, but then he fucking... And then the Spider-Man Black Cat that was pretty decent and it never got finished. The you Widening Gyre Batman was terrible. Well, yeah, the Widening Gyre was fucking awful. So, but anyway, uh, it's um, just like... That's astonishing. Kind of like the X-Men. Right? Thanks for bringing it back to center. Yeah. Let's bring it back here. Anyways, um... Yeah. Okay. So this is the one thing that I do like about this book is that Josh Whedon took Josh, 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 Josh Whedon, Josh. Sorry, Josh Whedon takes the whole. God damn it, Whedon. Let's interrupt Joel more so he can't make his point. I'm just going to speak gibberish for a while. No, he takes the whole X-Men franchise. and haven't been speaking gibberish? Damn it! God damn it. <laughs> See, and he takes the whole X-Men franchise and and takes all these little nuggets that other people don't don't usually deal with and fleshes them out. Like the whole thing with... Um, <laughs> like, like a, I'm fleshing. killing a giant monster. No, Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. Killing a giant monster in downtown Manhattan's our thing. <laughs> no. Uh, that Shadow, was funny. Shadow Cat's dragon, right? Um, yes. God, what is his name? I can't. No, I'm drawing no, a blank. No, I just... Uh, uh, it's so anyway, yes, it's and and I usually remember because I love the Two character. Syllables. But Arr. it's it's funny because because the agent of sword, Agent Brand, right, who deals with these alien universes, knows how smart, um, how smart, um, wow, derp, 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 smart who, derp, the dragon, the, the dragon, the dragon. Yeah. okay, yeah, and. and um, Twinkle balls. Lucky. There we go. Good God job. damn it. She knows how Not smucky, Boeing. How, how smart Lockheed, Lockheed smart. is. And he has a language and he comes from a, a civilization that's a space traveler, right? And everybody treats him like he's like, oh, my little pet, you know, dragon. Imagine if Pikachu was like Lockheed in intelligence. It, that exactly. Would be terrifying. You know, and so Agent Brand's the only one that understands and talks to him. And, and Lockheed starts talking back to her. And, and they're like, what? Wait he can actually talk yeah and yep. for this whole time you know everybody thinks he's just this pet sidekick kind of like gleep when he's not <laughs> gleep. Oh, gleep yeah, yeah. Exactly. good call but, you know and so he fleshes out these different <laughs> little parts that x-men fans would love and then also the main storyline is is good also um like there so so that's 
that's one of the things that I the the storylines is something that we haven't addressed yet. Um, uh, this is the comic that initiated one of the key storylines in X Men, which was the mutant cure, um, which ended up becoming a big deal and also became a big deal for the fucking movie, which um, I thought. Uh, in this particular part of the storyline, it doesn't get finished, right? It's, it's like the the start, the right. seed yeah. of the mutant cure. What? I don't think this is. Yeah, it is. It is. This it is the, this is the first part of the mutant cure. With like, and that's the funny thing is I don't understand where Doctor Rowe is. I'm not familiar with this. I've left R A O or Doctor Rowe. She's been around for a while. Okay, but is she a mutant herself? No. Okay, because she's with a scientist, but she's with the X Men. Um, because uh, I know she's part of the X Club. I'm. Oh, now. did anyone else, by the way, notice that uh, that Professor X uh, destroys the 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 fucking danger with Optimus Prime? Did anyone else, <laughs> did anyone else get that? No, like, but that's great. The danger's all like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's an, that's another that's another fucking scene that's great also because yes. the whole yes. entire time the X-Men are out oh gosh we're down to the cripple Professor X yeah. he's like you fought everybody but you haven't fought me and, and, and yeah it, with a truck and Professor X kicks ass and, and that's, that's how do you, how do you <laughs> program that into the protocol the uh, the guy who has telekinetic powers is going to hit me with a fucking Mack truck <laughs> yeah so so the 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 two storylines that are covered in these 12 issues are the the first one was the mutant cure and Ord and Ord was kind of almost a secondary villain because the actual storyline was primarily mutant cure exists and the, on the X-Men side, they're dealing with, with Hank McCoy actually wanting to possibly not be blue and not be blue and, and, and feral anymore. It's not easy being blue. And then the, the second storyline, bestiality, the second storyline, which I think is actually my favorite of the two and one of my favorite ever, was the concept of the danger room itself turning into a villain. Yeah. Um, where, you know, they, they trapped a, a Shi'ar consciousness in the danger room, and then that room spent years learning the weaknesses of every single X-Man and trying to kill them, and then attained consciousness and became a villain that was that wanted to kill the X-Men. I thought, I just thought that was like the coolest idea, you know? Yeah. And, uh, some of the, some of the, just the, the thoughts that he put into it, like, you know, especially toward the end, like they had to give her a reason to become, to take the human form. And then like the whole time was questioned, like professor X was like, why, why would you do this? This doesn't make any sense. And it's a psychological, it turns out it's a psychological thing. And I, I, I just, mm. That whole storyline with Danger as a villain, I thought was probably one of my favorite villains in a long time in an X-Men book. Yeah, because um, they're trapped in the Danger Room. And yeah. the Danger Room's like, okay, I, you know, I'm I'm done now. We Can we turn this off? No, you can't turn it off, and it's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's been done a couple it's times. It's like evil the, holodeck stories. It's, it's been yeah. done with the holodeck before, you know, and he, he just... Transcribed it's like, into it's like that plus Wintermute out of Neuromancer in terms of like uh-huh. all encompassing evil that it's smarter than you. Well, yeah. and and you know the the whole part where where they trap all the kids in the danger room mm-hmm. and they you know they usually put them in the danger room on purpose because it's a sealed room. It's a sanctuary. And it's a sanctuary, and then uh, the entire purpose of the danger room turning on the kids was not to kill any of them. It was to get the other ones to free the consciousness to allow her to become 
you know, a sentient yeah. being, yeah. free being. I still don't know <clears> how I feel about danger. I, I really like danger. Like, I, I like danger when Whedon writes danger. Yeah, I've seen a couple different like, interpretations of danger. Uh, the worst being the Age of X version, which was just... I, yeah, I didn't like that. Story, it's easy. It would be yeah. it would be extremely easy to make this character stupid, um, and that and that tends to be like what happens. That tends to be what happens with a lot of characters that that good creators bring you know create. They yeah. create something that's interesting, but could very easily tip into just you know ridiculous. Yeah, um, and then other lesser creators make them ridiculous because they can't handle the you know the character so or if cool. you're george lucas you do the opposite of that you give it to other people who can do who do so much better yeah. yeah yeah deadpool is a prime example yeah yes you know what i, I deadpool I, started out stupid though and then got a lot better in yeah. other people's hands and then got stupid again yeah i was just say, like i'm okay with there being a deadpool book every month sure I can, he can support one book one book not nine not nine yeah uh, okay, so another storyline which is not covered in these first two books is when Casanova, or it's, it's Cass- Cassandra Nova, Cassandra sorry, Nova. not Casanova. Um, <clears throat> thanks for not correcting me. Uh, Cassandra Nova makes everybody revert. So Wolverine gets gets super um, super scared. No, he gets oh super God, scared. That, I I read Wolverine ahead was, and read that. Wolverine it was, was fantastic. Scared, yeah, Wolverine was scared of everything, and He's like Beast a ter- loses his intelligence. So he turns into and so Wolverine Beast. Beast is chasing around Wolverine and Wolverine is is scared shitless, and I just love that little that little whimsy that he threw into that and how they beat it and didn't it end up like Beast eventually <laughs> defeats everybody by just chomping on everything. Well, the, how they get their humanity back was the thing that cracked me up because like Beast had this ball of string that was like laced with pheromones and really complicated chemistry and then Wolverine yeah. drinks a beer. Oh yeah, because that was like, oh yeah, I am That an was adult. his failsafe, right? right? Yeah. yeah, that was his failsafe. like, you know, he he had thought in the future that, you know, if I lose every all my facilities, this is the one thing I could do, play with this ball of yarn, which, you know, I'm a big cat and I'll get everything back. That's right. You know, it's so clever and and there's a little bit of there's there's a punchline there, you know, and it was good Joss Whedon banter. Yeah, it, it really was, and he 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 like puts on the X Men skin and and fills it out, um, and that and that's why I re- I really enjoyed this little romp, you know, through the X Men universe. It's it's definitely one of the better arcs. Yeah, can it, I talk about the art a little bit? Sure. Oh, okay. Do you more things? No, no, more no, things. Go okay. ahead. Yeah. Um, in I don't know. I I may have been looking at the art through through different eyes because i've been doing a lot of like critical reading about screenplays lately but uh and and movies but um i thought that it was very the cinematography if you will just the panel choice and design was very well well chosen there was a a, um yeah yeah and i think it's just because i'm noticing this and it might not just be this book but there was a lot of dialogue that involved a lot of Cut. I I don't have my fancy cinema terms, even though I really ought to. But like, cut off parts of heads, so you have you know some just really effective composition Mm. for dialogue sequences, which I feel like. Yeah, like the first. Maybe if he doesn't do his action sequences as well as we'd like, he definitely makes up for it in in his dialogue sequences. And I think. um, But is that composition on Joss Whedon or John Cassidy? uh, No, I think it's John Cassidy's composition. I think Joss Whedon has good dialogue, but I think John Cassidy's composition was really fucking brilliant. Really fucking brilliant. Um, he he doesn't 
do you know your standard quick cuts all the time he'll linger on a character when you need that like the moment when um shadow cat's standing there dumbfounded at colossus's return and he's running through her that was slowed down appropriately likewise some of the sequences when emma frost is turning into diamond or not or having an emotional moment were shown in a way that was really effective because mm-hmm. the time was taken to show it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the moment where, where uh, she she and Scott are standing next to each other, and Scott is talking to the group as they leave, and uh, he's like, "They probably just think that you're controlling my mind and not, and I'm and making me say <laughs> these things." And then there's a still panel where he's like, "Wait a minute," and then he turns to her and goes, "You're not, are you?" <laughs> And then she's like, she's like, you, you will never see me naked again. Okay. <laughs> like that, that sequence was awesome. Um, I, to, to me, like we can, we can go on and on and on about Whedon's dialogue and the way that he handles this story. I want to talk about Cassidy's art because this to me still ranks as Cassidy's best work. Like, and I've read through the entirety of Planetary, and I thought Planetary was okay. He, he has he has his weak points in Planetary. I think Planetary is more it, the, the Planetary is more about the story, and Cassidy was kind of developing that. his style at the time. This is like his most solid, like tight well, work yeah, but it's like, that I've ever seen him do. This was written fifteen years after Planetary was. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that long. Was it ninety five? This is what two thousand ten. No, this is like 2004. Was it? Or, or it was a while ago. Like it, it was definitely not 2010. It was 2004. 2004. About so, ten years. I don't. I don't think planetary. Planetary 95. was nice. It was like 95 to 99 or something because it lasted a long time. In any case, the so, point is he's at the height of his skills. Yeah, and he's using them really effectively. This, in my opinion, is is like just his best work. His his composition his ex- facial expressions See, like this is the type of stuff i'm talking about where he has these panels that um are really yeah. drawn out drawn out in terms of like he'll slow down time and he'll also focus um during dialogue scenes he's not obsessed no. with the face he's obsessed with the actions and the body yeah. language it's not talking heads which it's a lot of people heads. bitch about which is awesome i I think one of the things one of the things that I thought was a weakness of Cassidy's art in in Planetary and is an amazing strength here is his construction of facial features on his characters in order to make them unique and consistent. Mm. Um in Planetary he has a tendency that sometimes like sometimes his characters don't always look the same. So, you know, you, you end up with Elijah Snow not looking like an Elijah, the same Elijah Snow from panel to panel, whereas every time you see Wolverine in this book, his face looks the same. Every time you see Kitty Pride, you, you can Wolverine like... Wolverine has one facial expression. Well, no, no, it's he develops the, another one when he regresses and turns into like a, you know, five-year-old. He's, yeah. Then he's like... He's got three facial expressions. Confused. Murder. But, okay. <laughs> Murder and beer time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I. Oh I'm my god! More... Whatever sequence that had like the thought process of of three different superheroes as they're like starting to kick some ass. It was like Colossus is thinking deep emotional shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Shadowcat yeah. is thinking deep emotional shit, and like Wolverine, <laughs> it's like action panel, action panel. I really like beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was. I think it was more Shadowcat and uh, and. 
uh, Emma Frost, actually. That, that, I do not like that panel of Emma Frost. Right well, there. that panel is not that. I mean, the facial expression is kind of lame, but I, I you like. zoom out and she's on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just think that. It's turned to diamond. Why am I dying? I turned the wrong parts <laughs> diamond. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I can. I can, he does I'm a real good job her. with perspective. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I got to tell you that, that. I mean, with the falling and and the, whenever you see like a power shot, like the first time you see Ord, it's down near his feet, and so you're looking up at him. Total power yep. shot from you know movies or whatnot, and he does a really good job at setting up the the drama of the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, and he does a really good job with the with the. Um, <clears throat> the facial the facial expressions on different people too. Yeah. Um his sense of scale is good. Big yeah. things look big. And yeah. he doesn't he doesn't neglect his background characters. Uh which is something a lot of yeah. artists do. Like if, if if there's a group of people and there's two primary foreground characters reacting to a situation, he does not neglect the reactions of his background mm-hmm. characters. Like that's a, like, if you go back, that's a great series there when Beast is taking on yeah. danger <laughs> yeah. and he's he's falling and he's leaping and and totally going feral. <clears throat> and it's a great it's a great series of actions, you know, the, him going from panel to panel with with Beast. So when you're there's a lot when of when you were talking about around. background characters, I thought you meant you know maybe the characters like Wolverine, <laughs> not a background character. No, Kitty Pride, a little bit. People like, who are actually in the background. It, uh, you know, I thought <laughs> oh, I was like physical if, background. If this char- if this book had more background characters, it would be next wave. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I mean, I. We can we're we're gonna sit here for the rest yeah. of the night fellating these guys what? and I I don't have a problem with that but I think uh, I think we Might should probably no. yeah I think now we like it let's wrap up quickly tossing salad here. yeah uh, so I mean I'll I'll just buy borrow burn um, I would say if you read superhero comics at all buy if you don't read superhero comics borrow buy buy I'm a straight buy too <laughs> I think I think this could be appealing to people who don't even. It's read superhero comics. Absolutely, and I think so. you should absolutely read it. I'm just saying if you're if you don't collect superhero stuff anyway, yeah. maybe borrow it. But so, so read it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that could be the that's kind of the that that could be a constant thing for every comic, though, right? It's like, true. Like my my opinion is buy if buy it twice. If I would you say buy it. if you want like, anything from the X Men canon. That like makes coherent sense by yeah. this edition that Luke has that has like the, the on- omnibus the ones. omnibus edition because yeah. it has summary the in the seventy five dollar hardback. And so it has it has the whole. However, it has this introduction preface. that says the characters. X Men One Hundred and One. Everything you wanted to know about the X Men, but didn't have time to read five hundred okay, back issues to, f- to find out. I was trying to figure out how Web Comic Girl knew about the X Men. Yeah, you were surprising me. <laughs> well, knowledge. I'd read like. S- I'd read some Ultimate X-Men and I'd watched some X-Men cartoons back in the day, okay. which is more or less, and I had a roommate who was really obsessed with X-Men and at some point I think summarized the entire plot, but I phased out half. Teach me a bedtime story <laughs> or, or teach me a bedtime story. Tell me a bedtime story. Just tell me about the X-Men, please. So the last thing that I want to bring up before we move on is I read this in individual issues and I have to say that even though it's only six years ago, seven years ago, the ads in these comics Amazing. are a blast from the goddamn <laughs> past. Okay, uh, let's see. Let's give a rundown. White Chicks. Oh, great A print movie. ad for the Wayans Brothers oh, the magnum Wayans opus, peak. 
white chicks. Yes. The, uh, um, and at the Who Are You ad for the Game Boy Advance. Wow. Ooh, yes. Game Boy Advance. Like yes. Um, the uh, ad for the special edition of Starship Troopers 2 on DVD. Oh. Is that Marauder? Uh, that no, that's that's horrible. Starship. That's uh, Hero of the Federation. It yeah. was a fucking terrible. Straight there are versus system ads in these books. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and above all else, the issue that uh, Anne is holding in her hands right now, don't fold it, Baron. Uh-huh. Uh, would be the issue, the ad on the back cover, not oh, the Battle Babylon Five, but the issue. No, 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 on the actual back cover for Anacondas: The Hunt for the Blood Orchid. Hey, <laughs> okay, so that was the sequel to Anaconda. That was the sequel to Anaconda. Yes. Oh, yeah. They should have known you can't top Ice Cube. So- John Voight and Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. Come on. Hello, getting eaten by snakes. I yep. am totally going to watch that's that. That's a phallic she metaphor. She, ooh, that's a that's reality a, of her job. In <laughs> yes. That is a in Russia, not even thinly disguised phallic metaphor. So, uh, what are we doing next show? Oh, yeah. Do we, do we, do we remember I, what I we're we, doing? We can Let's just see. drop the mic right here. We ended on X Men. <laughs> um, we did Green River Killer. We're, the, which, whose pick is this? I, I wish that I This was mine. Yours. This was mine, okay. actually. I wish that I'm I. Glad you guys liked so it's it. either Luke's or Andy's. Oh, uh, God forbid. Punisher we, Max, volume can one. We, can Punisher we Max. Punisher Max. Uh, keep keep talking because I I I know I have it here somewhere. I People at Ape are more uh, attractive than other comic cons. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. There's uh, a more diverse uh, and other, attractive. Uh, how many of these other little boom books have you read? Uh, most likely, will you will not be president. You can My always. internet has a troll. The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. <laughs> Please, Mister, no. <laughs> Poor people. Uh, you know, like, you could talk about something relevant to the podcast. So, because my my idea, what's a porn star? <laughs> my idea was actually to uh, to to do Holy Terror. To be Name entirely honest, I, I you really dumb bitch. Smells. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a title of a book. Oh, there we go. Here we go. It was it was Punisher Max Volume One. Yes. Um, but that's what I was going to say. Is that like. Um, I really want to do Holy Terror. Yeah, you know what? We can wait till it's your choice. I, right? Yeah, I'm really going around about, the table and sharing. I was hoping to be relevant, but I am not going to. It'll pay money. never be relevant. I'm not going to pay money for that. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not gonna okay, it's not gonna I will. So we'll do. We'll do Punisher Max for the next I episode. I will chip in some money, and you guys can buy it, and we can have like a a, a copy. communal copy. I, I was thinking there. we'll do Punisher Max, and I'll, I'll talk to my comic shop and find out if they'll, they'd be willing to temporarily donate a copy for us to to read, which which Chris at at probably... Comics Dungeon might be willing to do because he he says it's fucking. Ter- I, I watched yeah. him actively discourage someone from buying it. Wow. So how much is it? Thirty four ninety nine or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to see if I can get it through and, the library. And Andy was saying it's bad quality paper, right? It's just a bad production uh, all around. It's, it's And for 30 bucks? I don't, I wouldn't say it's bad quality. It's yeah. it's I mean the production quality is similar to uh, it's similar in size. It's it's the same format as 300, like yeah. the wide, the extra wide oh, format. Yeah. Um, Turn me into a movie. 
Yeah, and which will n- never happen unless it's a fucking trom- Michael trauma Bay. film. Michael Bay. Actually, Michael, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. I do that. Michael Bay. <laughs> There's explosions in it. Her Michael Michael yeah. There's racism. That's Michael Bay's alley right there. Right? Yeah. Michael Bay directs. Strike. A the trauma bl- film. <laughs> the black Autobot must die. Yeah. Uh, the black Autobot's a Pontiac hey, in yeah, the but, new one. Wait, what? Do, don't you remember that? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a Pontiac Sunfire? Oh yeah, I mean, you, you know you've got to know what the acronym for Pontiac oh, is. Okay, thank okay, you. Okay, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You Nobody knew. No, I, and they I, were and wondering I, why I was so pissed off. Really? About it. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. For those listeners who have never heard the acronym for Pontiac, it is, and I apologize for the language, but this it is, is Negro. No, I'm going to say it the way it's supposed to be said uh, because yeah, it's, it's because I'm not using it in an offensive term. Uh, I'm trying to be informative. Uh, uh, okay. Poor old nigger thinks it's a Cadillac. Yeah. Michael Bay puts that in a movie. Oh, my Has Bay. him talk jive <laughs> and thinks I'm going to like it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, did you pay money to see that movie? Yeah, I did. Yeah. It was it was just like seeing Jar Jar. As soon as I saw that, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to bring up before we close the show out? Uh, I just want to say that how this ends, the, the whole Astonishing X-Men ends, is Kitty... Kitty Pride saves the world by hopping into a big giant space vibrator and zooming off into space. It's like a rabbit. I'm okay with that. That's cool. Yeah, uh, you know, you, I approve. You, that can I mention right that the uh, Anglo-Saxon root of the word frig comes from <laughs> the goddess Frigga and has uh, sort of means basically means to vibrate. So when you're like Frigga, <laughs> really? yeah, does, does it's my favorite cuss. Is that because she? shivered a lot I, I, i'm not quite sure how that how that connected i don't, I don't understand the, the i understand frigging i don't understand where that came from Frigga. i think it's, it's like a spring goddess fucking mm. friggin i don't okay. know vibrators see, something and, and see this is the kind of stuff that i need to know to make myself interesting at cocktail parties that i go to cocktail, no wait i don't go to cocktail parties <laughs> so the second run of of astonishing was was done by warren ellis wasn't it yeah yeah and that nice. book was it still stupid expensive was it still john cassidy or i don't remember okay Anyway, um, you can rate us on iTunes. Rate us, review us. We've got some new reviews up there, which is pretty cool. Uh, no, After the Fact has new reviews. <laughs> I have to find a way to mix them up, right? Yeah, like, hey, I I, saying, I've forgotten what show is which. When's the last time that like, you did a show that you didn't get the wrong show in there? Uh, a long goddamn we'll time ago. We'll put you ago. on Hit the Deck and just watch you get as confused as humanly possible. Yeah, that would be... Where's the buttons on this? Yeah, seriously. Rate us on iTunes or review us. You can rate us and review us on Zoom as well. Um, you can... Join our or like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash trade secrets. You can follow us on Twitter. The main show feed is at trade secrets pod. I am at geek elite. Andy is at math catastrophe. Joel is at superfly spelled weird. Uh, Andy and is <laughs> and, and two O's. Oh, yeah, that's true. it is kind of S O O P H L E I Y Z. No, Yo. <laughs> the Z is silent. Superflies. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the, the Z is silent. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get a new tw- uh, Twitter thing based on the guy from The Wire. just called shit. <laughs> Anne is at Anne Bean Tweets. Hers is nice and easy. Uh, and if you want and to be boring. a part of the I show. Know, I don't tweet that much. No. Anne Bean Tweets occasionally. And, <laughs> and being sporadically tweets. Hey, it's better than Pat hates tweets, yeah. which has no tweets. But well, when, it's accurate then, isn't it? But when she does tweet, she blames it on the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What? Uh, right? <laughs> Barking spiders. Yeah. Um, 
So if you want to be a part of the show, you can hit us up on any of those portals, especially Twitter, Facebook. If you want to have conversations with us, those are the places to do it. Or you can email us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com and send us questions, uh, feedback, comments, anything, and we will use them on the show. This has been episode 16 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, all about astonishing X-Men. Next show in two weeks, we will be doing Punisher Max Volume 1. Thank you, Andy. Joey, uh, why don't you ask Mark Millar how War Heroes is coming along? Thank you, Joel. Space Vibrator! And thank you, Anne. I'm astonished. (laughs) Hail Satan. I'm Luke. (laughs) And we are out.